0: Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, well-being or research.
1: Welcome to the Psychology in Schools i'm dr beth mosley a consultant clinical psychologist and we're really excited today to meet with three other people Um, and the topic today is really thinking about striding forward as youth mental health day on the 7th of september that's the topic so i'd like to welcome tamara scully who's also another clinical psychologist in the psychology and schools team hello tamara hello um who's an English teacher at Thurston Community College.
2: Hello. Also a
1: mom of two ch- young people, and Bethan. Um, and Bethan actually attended Thurston Community College a couple of years ago. Has had a pretty rocky, rocky road of life since then, but is really excited about starting university in September. So welcome, everybody. Hello. <laughs> So so, Bex, I was going to just curious, really, how it feels to be a mom and a teacher going back to starting the new term.
2: Yeah, I, I feel really quite mixed, to be honest. Um, part of me, I love routine. So with my teacher head on, I've got to be honest, I'm looking forward to getting back to school, to work, to routine. Um, but then I have mixed emotions about how this term is going to go. Um, I'm excited to meet my new classes. I'm excited to get back in the classroom. But then I'm also, you know, really aware that probably this term is not going to be like a normal, straightforward term. There are going to be hiccups. There are going to be absences. There are going to be issues. So I suppose I'm feeling slightly nervous of all those things as well. Um but mainly you know excited just to get back into it and i'm I'm hoping it's definitely going to be a bit more normal than the previous you know year has been um but then I suppose with my my mum hat on um I've got two children I've got a twelve year old and a nine year old um and they've had quite different uh reactions to what's been going on recently, so my son is very chilled um you know, doesn't really seem to sort of, it doesn't seem to have affected him at all. Whereas my daughter, um who is my kind of vivacious, outgoing child, um you wouldn't have thought lockdown could have, and COVID could have, have affected her like it has. She's been extremely anxious and uh, she's suffering with all sorts of anxieties about all sorts of things. Um So her school's been brilliant, actually really supportive of that. Um But yeah, I, I kind of worry a bit for her going forward. I hope that with a little bit more normality again those anxieties will start to ease and as time goes on things will get better for her um so yeah it's all all a little bit mixed at the moment as to how I'm feeling about everything but mainly positive I would say
1: (laughs) and I think that's a really uh kind of accurate reflection in some respects having had a pretty bleak summer (laughs) I think a lot of people I've been speaking to have been really disappointed by the lack of summer sunshine that we've had this summer and most well many people haven't had that opportunity to go away possibly abroad and and have those kind of experiences which make them feel like they've got away from it all and in some ways that kind of blissful summer holidays hasn't been there to make it feel harder to go back to work absolutely
2: yeah because normally you know we would be going abroad somewhere and that hasn't happened this summer so everyone's had the staycations which has been nice and different but I think because of the lack of sunshine yeah it does feel like we haven't had that normal relaxing um sort of sunshine that we would normally have to kind of prepare us for the new term
1: yeah and and I think the downside of not having that is that we are maybe for some of us feeling much less ready to face the winter. Um, and I, I know you mentioned earlier tomorrow that you've, you've been meeting with some young people and families who have. been kind of dreading, I, I must say, I I feel a degree of dread um, at the winter ahead because like you said, uh, Bex, there's this degree of uncertainty about whether things are going to be fairly straightforward or not. Um, and. Um, but also there's a sense of, well, we really managed last year, which was such a tricky year. So perhaps this is going to be a much easier year for us all. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, Tamara, what your thoughts are.
3: I, th- I I guess what the conversation is kind of reminding me about is um, I read this uh, article recently by a, a psychologist in the States, and he he kind of talked about the term languishing, So that, you know, lots of us are managing to kind of do everything that we need to do. So, you know, we're still going to work. We're looking after our kids. We're paying the bills. But there's just this kind of level of apathy where people don't feel like they're they're thriving. I guess people are kind of in this place where they feel like they're surviving stuff but they're not particularly thriving. And I think it's, you know, we we all go slip into that position, I think from time to time, but definitely my feeling at the moment is that people are spending longer periods in that kind of languishing position. And I think when we spend longer and longer periods in that position, I think it's much easier to kind of slip down that mental health continuum um, and, and to start really feeling kind of unwell um so it's 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 and, and then and i think with the summer that we've had and people feeling like that we're now going in to start another year and people are just lacking in energy and enthusiasm um, and that's tricky that
1: that makes so much sense that certainly helps me understand how i'm feeling right now it's such a good word to describe the feeling i've got and it brings us to Bethan, really, who can offer us some hope, really, because I imagine hearing what Tamara just said, Bethan, you could really relate to periods of feeling like that, and maybe even worse over the last two years, because you've had such a roller coaster of a ride, haven't you? And I know that you're feeling at the moment isn't languishing it's definitely veering towards excitement so I guess it'd be really helpful to hear from you how did you get through those more tricky periods and and tell us more about how you're feeling now as you go into September
0: so I think for I think for the listeners benefit I will give a little bit of context um so I think things started to fall apart for me basically as soon as lockdown started. I worked in retail for a while and I really really did enjoy my job and then all of a sudden I was just taken from it and on furlough which I totally understand the need for and it had to be done but it was still extremely hard to deal with and I missed all of the friends I had there and i a lot of people were kind of complaining about people on furlough but honestly I hated furlough I would have much rather had been at work instead of you know sat at home doing nothing almost really Um, but it didn't really stop there unfortunately I was actually made redundant twice in less than a year and honestly that has been some of the most difficult things I've ever experienced I definitely felt incredibly low, like especially the second time, because that was a full on like closure and I knew there was no going back this time. It was just horrible to deal with. And not only did I have to think about the short term, I also needed to think about the long term because I knew I had to make some sort of long term plan at some stage. I just didn't expect to have to be pushed to this with an increasingly difficult situation on my back so in kind of amidst everything just not being great at all I actually reassessed what I wanted to do in the future I used to want to be to go uh, go to Japan and teach English but the more more I realized it was probably not the path I want truly really wanted like I definitely want to go back and visit Japan someday but when I was looking over other things I found that I didn't have the same passion that I did with the path that I'm currently about to head off on so I'd been looking back on a lot of freelance art projects I'd been doing and I thought why don't I actually go and pursue art so I started looking into illustration degrees around like April May time and I then applied and got in so I kind I'm I've kind of completely out of the blue, made a complete 180 and decided to go to uni. Um, I did manage to get another job as well in retail which I'm really happy with and I'm now at that stage where I've really settled in and things are going really well and I am just filled with so much excitement for September. I'm looking forward to developing my art skills somewhere, having friends who I can talk to about art, we can maybe just like if we've got nothing else to do, we can go places and draw together or just show each other what we've been working on. Just that kind of community environment around it, as well as being able to build a career, that is something I'm super excited about. So it, it sounds like
1: that you've had, these experiences have taught you about what's most important to you, um, and you've been able to get really in touch with who you are what your passions are what makes you tick and have had this kind of amazing epiphany almost of uh, opportunity really to reanalyze, step back and, and make a different path for yourself which is an incredible feat especially when you're really struggling and feeling overwhelmed and potentially quite hopeless and low and, and I can hear so much hope in your story it's, it's filling me with hope um, and I wondered how did you get through how did you manage to find that hope in in those dark days how did you move towards what was it that
0: enabled you really to to move towards this place honestly like looking back it was just an incredibly difficult time like right from the original announcement of the closure right the way through um i really did rely a lot on my team my team were just incredibly kind they were really upbeat we always had a good laugh even when we were feeling miserable and that's kind of something that did get me through the bits that we were actually in for because obviously we had the third lockdown um that kind of that kind of like com- like a kind of solidarity from your colleagues almost as you're kind of going through it together like just the mutual support that definitely really helped me um, and during the lockdown I think was the hardest because I usually went on walks every day during the previous or the previous lockdowns the second one not so much but definitely the first I would go nearly every day and it would be a way to keep me active and out And although I do prefer cold temperatures to hot temperatures, it was too cold to go on walks. So I was stuck inside even more and that I definitely did really struggle with. So I think getting out when I could, it was a really good feeling. And I think as well, tapping into those talents, tapping into that creative energy as well, Um, I have been bullet journaling for quite a few years. And I definitely picked it back up through the lockdown as I made my monthly spreads, my weekly spreads. And I also came about, came back into digital art as well. I started an Instagram for my art because I wanted to do a lot more with it. And that did give me loads of motivation to do it. And I was chatting with people I used to work with, people that I was working with at the time as well, and just kind of gaining that support. So I think not only did I look to others I also looked to what I love most which is art so I think it's just finding finding a hobby or something you even enjoy even if it's just something as little as playing games or something anything that kind of takes you away from everything you're dealing with and puts it into a more positive medium that's 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 really it really and yeah it was difficult but I got through it at the end of the day
1: wow what amazing advice so reaching out and reaching in it basically like. yeah and Bex i could see you nodding away especially when bethan was talking about teams and and i was wondering again what you what your thoughts were as she's speaking
2: yeah well quite a few things you said resonated with me actually bethan so um you know i i find so many things are important like at this time and exercise you were talking about you know getting out exercising um but something else you mentioned about setting up your own Instagram page that's something I've done actually recently with my daughter because one of the things we realized that we both love doing is baking and so you mentioned that and um yeah so we do a lot of baking together and um during um lockdown I just thought why don't we kind of almost journal our journey of baking so I set up a an Instagram page and Um, it's been amazing actually so many people have taken an interest in it we did a stand up to cancer week where we kind of auctioned off our cakes and we raised a load of money Um, and it's just been something really positive that has come out of something that could have been quite a dark miserable time you know we actually have kind of spent time together as mum and daughter um, we've enjoyed cooking, but also the product has created quite, <laughs> quite a positive impact on other people as well, because a lot of the cakes have been given away or like during the summer. Actually, um, we've been baking for the farmers um, because we were asked by uh, a farmer who lives next door if we would uh, bake some cakes each week to keep the farmers going through like the summer season. So, yeah, I, I do think something positive has come out of that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned also like you you talked about relying on your team and I think as a teacher um I'm part of a brilliant team at work um my English department are fantastic and everyone is really supportive um and I just think it's so important to have people around you who you talk to who you can rely on who you can go to when you're having a bad day you know we have um a whatsapp group chat and we talk about work but we talk about other things and we you know we vent together we talk together and that is so important and then you know outside of work as well some of us you know are friends and it's just having those people that you know you can chat to who understand um that are going through similar things um And like you were talking about at work, you know, people who understood what was going on around you. And and I think that is incredibly important to have have those connections with people.
3: And I, I think, Bex, what what that's making me think of is is just thinking about kind of people going back into school or back into work or back into uni. I think people have really struggled without those kind of organic moments of connection that we all kind of lost during the pandemic. And I think it's just going to be incredibly important that we kind of held in mind and privilege connection once we're all back um, in these environments because you know it's from connection that we get safety. And when we have that kind of relational safety, it's so much easier to be creative at work. It's so much easier to be vulnerable in the classroom and put your hands up and say, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you help me with that?
0: Um,
3: And it's you know, and I, I know that there's been. A massive amount of kind of lost learning or lost face to face learning at the very least but i think it's just going to be important that we hold in mind that people need to get that relational connection back before they're able to kind of move into that space where they can thrive in those environments again
2: mm. absolutely
1: and i think that for some people that will be harder than for them for others i think it's i don't know about anyone else but certainly after the first lockdown when i came back into Other new back into old context they seemed really quite overwhelming from a sensory point of view or you kind of went to an event and you thought god I really want to leave after about an hour because it just all seemed a bit much and I'm just wondering for those people who might want to be back but also find it quite overwhelming quite exhausting find it difficult to kind of balance all of those competing demands Mm. um and, and I guess giving those people a bit of time, really, like you're you saying tomorrow, really privileging time and connection and, and balancing space with um, with opportunities for, for connecting with other people. Because from what Bethan was saying, there were periods of time when she actually was quite, you know, using the time on her own really well, um, but needed that space quite possibly. But also then able to use the time with others. And I guess for some people they find that they find that's kind of balance quite natural but for others it might be more of a challenge
2: Mm.
1: What, what about in the classroom bex i mean how do you manage that when you you've got young people coming back into the classroom and they've all had different sorts of summers they've they've all got different ways of relating they may be feeling a bit overwhelmed by their friendship groups and where they sit with their friendship groups, what learning they might have missed on, out on. I know for year elevens they're coming back in with expectations about exams being maybe the same or different from previous years Mm. Um, how do you manage that as a teacher when you've Mm. got such a demand on you to get through the material and all that Mm. pressure
2: well i i really believe um as tamara was talking about about you know the, the importance of of building relationships and you could only build relationships with students if you give them the time to talk to you um, so as you know, I have high expectations in my classroom, but I also allow students to talk and to talk to me um, when necessary. So I try and build t- time. So for example, with my sixth form class, um we have a cake break each week in the middle of the lesson where we just stop what we're doing and only for sort of five, 10 minutes, there's a little rotor where everyone brings in cake each week. And we just talk and we talk about other things. And that's there how I get to know students. I know what they're doing. I know which universities they're going to or applying for. And um, I know what their interests are because we've actually stopped talking about the, the, the subject content. And I'm trying to get to know them a little bit. Um, in main school, it's harder. It's more of a challenge because I think at sixth form, it's, it's much more relaxed. Um, but I always take the time when students come in and out of my lessons to ask them how they are. Um, I always meet and greet students at the door. We always take time to chat at the beginning of the lesson, um, and throughout the course of the lesson. You know, I'm always—it's been more more tricky during sort of COVID times, but I'm always in and out of the desks, chatting with them, talking to them, and and I do try and build those opportunities for students to talk to me because. easy it is easy when you've got a class of 30 to to miss those students who are struggling so you do have to allow that time where they might just say quietly in my ear actually miss i'm not feeling great about this or i'm really worried about this or i haven't done this and then there's the time to be able to sort it and talk about it um i'm not perfect I, i do miss things sometimes but i think if you can build that culture in your classroom where students know that you're approachable, that they can talk to you. Um, I think you're halfway there because you know if, if you're just saying, "Come in, sit down. Right, this is the work. This is what we're doing today." Straight away, they're not going to want to talk to you. They're not going to want to engage in anything other than sitting in your classroom and being maybe a little bit bored. So, yeah, I think it's it's how how you kind of nurture and develop the culture within your classroom.
3: Absolutely. And it's, you know, from what you're describing, Bex, it's it, it it's those little moments, isn't it? It's it's that moment of saying, hi, how are you? How did the football match go at the weekend? Um, there's a, a psychologist called Karen Thrasemann, and she kind of talks about this idea of every interaction is an intervention um and it's essentially kind of this idea that it it isn't necessarily about sitting down and having kind of a long conversation with someone it is about those just small interactions that kind of happen throughout the day and when they happen over a period of time that's kind of what builds up the relationship and that's what builds up the safety and Mm. and the trust
2: Mm, that's it Um, and I look back as well at my time at school and we can all remember, can't we, a teacher or somebody who you loved and and probably the reason you loved them is because they took the time to chat with you. Um, and I'm sure everyone can think of somebody who had an impact on them in that way.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking if
1: Beth and um, Beth and you, you're the one who's most recently been at school and you're really, really nodding your head and the viewers can't hear that. Um, so, what were you gonna, what were you thinking?
0: Yeah, like 100%. I think what I remember a lot of when I was at first and I really did enjoy like some of like some of the really friendly interactions of teachers, like when they'd actually, like, you know, um. Ask you about how things are outside of class, everything, when they hype up what you're doing. Um, what was really nice is when I was doing other things outside, especially like in sick form and whatnot, I could tell my teachers about it and they would hype me up like so much. <laughs> and that I really do appreciate. And there's quite a few teachers I actually do miss because they would always just be so lovely to me and just have like we would just have like the nicest teacher-student relationship, and it's just yeah it It definitely does help a lot in my perspective as well, and I think as well in young people, it's like our connections with others, our social interactions, friendships and whatnot they are so important, so making that connection I think is the first is like is is a very good step to take and
1: I was just thinking about someone who I uh, who is much later on in life Um, I'm just thinking about the whole concept of reaching out and asking for help and how difficult that can be sometimes and just thinking about you know the the power of other people being able to support you and, and hype you up or big you up or give you that extra kind of bit of motivation or confidence and the disappointments that we face in life sometimes and how it's okay to come with disappointments too, that it doesn't all have to be about the positive stuff. And I know Bethan, in the past, you probably used teachers both for those exciting moments and also for times when you've had a disappointment and those members of staff have been able to really support you with managing those difficult feelings. And and kind of helping you think about the possible opportunities that come out of the disappointment. And, and I was just thinking about how this extends across the whole age range. And someone who I, I met with last week who's kind of in their late 60s, who isn't naturally a person who would reach out to others, but has made their own blog during lockdown because they really enjoy writing and have found a way of kind of sharing with others what's going on in their lives through a blog and it kind of really blew me away because just hearing what you've all been saying really about actually the power and value of social kind of networking um, across the whole lifespan and how in some ways covid has encouraged everyone across all the generations to find creative ways of sharing what's important to them with others, even if that might not come naturally to them, kind of on a on a, on a kind of day to day basis in their daily life. Um, so it, it's there's some real kind of creative. I, I there's a lot of creativity that you're sharing, Beth uh, and, and Bex of creative opportunities. And the thing I was thinking Bex, when you were talking about the six form and the meeting with the cake is lots of people who are working from home at the moment in different sectors and how employers are trying to encourage workers to come back into the office in some sectors and people are struggling with that and just being curious really about some of those missed opportunities to have those really important conversations over the cake that you were describing you were having with your six formers um, and how I think for a lot of people that they won't realise how much they're missing those moments until they're back in the space with other people in person. Um, and I didn't know if, if you might have friends or colleagues who who've who've kind of been grappling with perhaps a bit more pressure to go back into the workplace from September onwards, um, and and finding that a difficult thing to manage. It's kind of making them feel concerned about adding a commute, being back in a not shared space with other people, how are employers going to manage like all of the different kind of demands, really, because you've got some people working from home still. So I didn't know if anyone had any thoughts really on on those challenges as we move into the next part of the year.
3: I mean, I definitely that description, Beth, of people not quite realising that they're missing it, um, resonates f- for me personally, but also resonates for quite a few people I know. And and generally, it's because there is a convenience to being at home, which which I think is really valuable. Um, but I think for me, when I was when you know our team were kind of doing quite a bit from home. And um, it wasn't really until I we kind of were able to go back into schools or we were able to start meeting again as a team face to face that I realized just how much energy I get. From being around people in in person and um, and I think for for people kind of who have been at home and I know quite a few people who've actually been at home since kind of March 2020. Um, I, I think they feel well. Number one, they're they're that they're kind of languishing. So kind of that word we talked a little bit about earlier, but it's they're in this funny position where they're recognizing that they're languishing, and this isn't particularly great for them to be at home all of the time. But then there's also this level of anxiety about getting back onto that really fast pace of life. Um, and I think it's, it, it's trying to just find a balance between both of those positions because, you know, I think most people don't want to go back to how things were when they had no time and they were kind of just exhausted all the time. But equally, staying at home and not having any of that interaction, I, I don't think it's particularly helpful for creativity, but I also don't think it's particularly helpful for well-being. Um, And I think lots of people are giving beginning to give that lots of thought about,
2: you know, what what the new normal might look like. If I can just jump in. Yeah, um, I I totally agree with what you've just been saying. And and like my husband, he's been working at home um, sort of since the beginning of first lockdown, really. Um, But his uh, his business have said that basically he has to go in for two days a week from October so he'll be doing three days at home two days in the office which I actually think is quite a nice balance because it's allowing for those things that you were saying those interactions with people that communication that we've missed those times to chat but it also because he's actually quite an introvert in a way he you know he's quite happy to be at home he's quite happy to be sitting in his office on his own all day I don't necessarily think it's good for him so I think you know that that balance of that time in the office and time at home is is perhaps the way things are moving. And I think, you know, a lot of office space has gone now, hasn't it? So people are having to sort of be at home more regularly. Um, and I think that might be the way things are going. Obviously very different in, in the teaching world. <laughs> I sort of feel like I'm going to go from zero to 100 miles an hour in, in a few days. And that makes me feel quite like anxious in a way. Like, oh, here we go again. Here, I've got to really kind of... G myself up for this because you know in the teaching world it is once you're there at school it just doesn't stop it's boom 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 and it's and, and and that is is hard um um when you've gone from being at home for the summer to back in it you know people I know will be feeling quite almost anxious about that. Um, So yes, trying to make sure we, we do, going back to the connections, building that time to keep talking about how we're feeling and supporting one another in the workspace.
1: It sounds like there's something about pace there. And I know in the school community, you don't really get the opportunity to pace yourself. It's very difficult to do that. And I know it's the same for young people once they get back into the academic year. It, it really is pretty full on and, and you get swept up, don't you, with with the need and, and what's happening and the pressures of, of the term dates. And again, I imagine there's lots of parents who might be listening to this podcast who are feeling worried about their young people going back to school and that pace again. Um, and I guess I think one of the key things that we talked a lot about today is connection and communication. And, and I guess I'd be encouraging any parent who's worried to speak to their school Mm. um, don't hold on to that on your own Um, do reach out really I think most schools that we've worked with and most schools out there are really keen to know if a parent is worried or concerned um, so that they can work together with them and support them with that and I think sometimes parents can feel quite quite like they're going to end up in some kind of loggerheads a little bit around attendance or issues around that. And that can make that can kind of sometimes strain the relationship a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know if you'd, you would agree Tamara and Bex uh, on on that advice really, because I think it can be again really difficult to reach out and say I'm, I'm struggling. Um, but I think again, it's 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 really good modelling because if we as parents and adults can do that and demonstrate to our children that we're asking the right people for the right help in the right way, then we're we're letting our children know that actually this is what what you do when things are tough and and you're struggling on your own. And there's that's actually a really helpful thing. It's not something to be ashamed of because I do think um, there's some research that shows that parents are actually really find it difficult to ask for help because they feel like somehow they've they've kind of failed and so it it can feel like a really difficult thing to do
2: as a form tutor I know it's really useful if I have an email from a parent just to let me know if their son or daughter's you know worried about something or something's happening at home and that I wouldn't necessarily know about so actually being told these things can be really beneficial because you know we're all so busy in schools but unless someone tells me I'm not necessarily going to know so actually yeah just a quick email can be direct to the form tutor can be really really useful um I know depends on what's actually going on and severity of you know the issue um but that then opens up that gateway again for me to speak to the student or to have a quick chat or just a little, you know, things OK today. Just a quick, quiet word can be enough for them to know, OK, Miss knows or Miss can help me with this. Or I can then point them in the direction of someone else who can support them. So, yeah, I think it is good to do do that. And
3: I I, I think it's you know going back I suppose to this kind of idea of relational safety you know for our young people I think when parents are able to kind of reach out and they're able to share a little bit like Bex you've just been saying um, I think the child then feels like they're much more seen and recognized by the teacher and and also it also allows the teacher, I think, to kind of just be a little bit curious about what might be beneath the behavior because you know different children are going to come back with having had very different experiences over the summer or over the pandemic more generally and you know that's going to manifest in different ways. But I suppose mm-hmm. if teachers are able to hold that little bit of knowledge it can really change the lens through which they're viewing that child's behavior, um, which, which if, if done in a, in a more transparent way, I suppose, can really build that relationship in a positive way Mm. rather than the child being misunderstood. Mm,
2: Definitely.
1: Mm. I'm just thinking about transitions, really for some young people, this, they're going to be getting into secondary school for the first time. They might be starting school. They might be starting college. Going into a new job, Beth- Bethan, you're starting uh, a new course at a new university. Um, I'm just one- curious, Bethan, as to as to kind of what your what your st- your plan is for this next month, and and what you're looking forward to, and I guess what you're feeling a bit um,
0: kind of anxious about. So, like many, I'm going into a new into kind of a new environment, not having seen it. I think. Been, I'm quite fortunate in the in the sense that I've been able to have like a virtual tour available um, online but I know not everyone is available to do that with certain funding restrictions involved I think especially schools would have this issue as well Um, so it is a little bit little interesting not having actually seen where you're going in person Um, the only thing I've seen is the outside so that's something so I think A lot of young people, i that's one of my first thoughts. I think some young people may really struggle with that as well. I know this is a little bit veering off, but I remember um, when I was, because I'm autistic, when I've been moving up to, say, high school from middle school, um, I had uh, transition sessions where I'd actually go and see it myself. And I don't know how it's run this year, and I worry that a lot of young like a lot of young people who are on like the send kind of side of things, I worry they've missed out, and that's probably going to potentially throw a huge kind of wall of anxiety potentially for many of them, which is something that I thought of immediately. Yeah
1: I think certainly for those students last year as well where there was that was really difficult to manage. I'm not sure um, what's happened this year Bex have for example year six has been able to come up and have their usual tour of the school at the end of the year at Thurston.
2: Yeah we did have transition days I know a lot of um, schools didn't but Thurston did plow ahead it wasn't without its difficulties but um no, they did have the opportunity to come in and meet their tutors and have some lessons in school so um yeah that was a positive and i know there have been loads of tours going on so there has been the opportunity for those students like you were talking about on the send register to come and you know see the school in a in a in a sort of a Slightly smaller environment and have those one-to-one conversations. So those things have been going on, which I know the previous year didn't. Like we didn't have the induction days the year before. So when my son came up to Thurston, he hadn't had that time in school. So when he set foot in school for the first time in September, that was the first time he'd been in. So yeah, it um, it's it is has been better this year, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm really really relieved to hear that Thurston have done it this year. I think for many it's just such a valuable thing actually being able to see where you're going before you actually start, Um, which I think for many in this university cohort as well, my younger sister is also going to university this year and she's actually moving into accommodation and she has not seen her university or her accommodation in person, so I think this is definitely for many students it can be something that could potentially be very anxiety inducing or some people might just be doing a thinking of it in a oh we'll find out when we get there kind of thing which is kind of the stance I'm taking Mm -hmm. Um, but what's helpful is before Freshers Week even starts um, I've booked a slot to go and collect my ID card so I can at least try and like go and know where it is. And I'm actually meeting up with somebody on my course that day, which I'm very excited about. Just excited to make all those new friendships. And I think we have availability to actually book to go on to on to go on those campus tours. So I'm definitely considering booking onto one, just finding out what time. So I think I think the main concern going forward is if we have to switch to online in the middle of it I know like schools and universities will have been more prepared for it having done it numerous times already unfortunately as the situation's been um but it is still quite frustrating to think oh we're going to be entirely in person and then have uh things go online um I know I've been interacting with some people who are on foundation courses at my uni who are entire almost entirely online and they're not they're not happy with that, which is understandable. It's really nice to have that connection. And for many, online learning is difficult. Anyway, I think I have veered off significantly from your original question. Uh,
1: I think that's a really good point now. And if we think about the topic of striding forward, you know, we really are striding forward. There's a lot of striding forward going on in this small group here today. Um, and we kind of don't know exactly what we're striding forward into um having had sort of at least 18 months longer really of kind of the roller coaster of covid the pandemic and having to change from the virtual world back into the real world and back on online again so i guess with all of that learning experience we kind of know we can do it but it's that that the, that thing that Tamara is talking about with that languishing is i think we all feel like we probably need a break from from doing it and we kind of want to be able to move into a position where we really just feel like there's more certainty and and more opportunities for thriving really because it can feel like a setback if you're just getting into your stride like you're describing Bethany. you're making your friends you're orientating yourself to this new place and new relationships and then that feels like it's going to be put on hold again and I think that's what's probably For many people, creating anxiety is a sense of having to put things on hold again or having to put the pause button on and feeling like people just want to get into their stride.
0: 100 percent. I really agree with you. I remember last year when I'd started another position um, although I was so excited to be back where I was before, albeit in a new in a new job, um, I still felt that uncertainty at the back. All of the news coming of, of the case rises, all of the people predicting the lockdowns happening again, all of that often bubbles underneath and causes me more stress. I'm just trying to block any of that out this time, as as safe as I need to continue staying, even though I am now fortunately double vaccinated. It's it's something that I'm trying to put aside and just carry on doing the regular precautions because at the end of the day, that's the best you can do. That's great advice, Beth. And I think we really advise people
1: to not stay too closely linked to the news because it can often raise those anxieties. We we really got to wrap up. So one last uh, maybe tip from Bex and Tamara on how do we stride forward knowing that we kind of are facing these these uncertain times still
2: I think the key really is for me you know in the particularly in the teaching world stay connected with people you know encourage one another lean on your colleagues talk to each other about how you're feeling um, because everybody is going through the same anxieties and issues and concerns about what's going on so yeah just you know, lean on the people around you, have those connections, have that person that you go to the staff room with and have a cup of tea with, um, keep those relationships strong because they're so important.
3: No, I absolutely, I agree with that. And I think what I would say is we know that there are going to be a lot of big feelings and big emotions around uh, this week and over over this month, probably as we transition um back into kind of schools and and universities and colleges and i i think it's just important i think for parents for all of us to kind of recognize that these emotions are telling us important things about how our children are feeling Um, and although the default and it's definitely my default sometimes to just kind of say don't worry you'll be fine everybody's going back of course you'll make friends let's just go and do something else let's just stop thinking about it but actually for many children it can be more helpful if you can just validate what they're feeling um, and help them to kind of understand why they might be feeling some of the things they're feeling because even though that can be quite difficult to do sometimes by doing that the message that you're giving to your child is I get it And when we feel like someone else is getting the struggle that we're having, it's much easier to be brave and to take those steps forward.
1: Great advice from all three of you. And in fact, tomorrow I'm thinking that's not just true for when we're speaking to our children, but to each other as well. Quite often, that's what we need from a friend, isn't it? Just that validation, not necessarily the problem solved. Yeah. So fantastic advice for all of us. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really wish you all well in this month of September, which is sounding like it's gonna bring lots of hope and excitement um, as well as challenges. So thank you again for today. And um, we look forward to hearing more about your endeavors. Bye (laughs) then. Thank you.
2: Thank you, bye bye.
0: listening please do subscribe it's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight do rate and review our podcast and follow our social media accounts they're all in the show notes and
2: more than anything look after yourself